All right, we are ready to begin. If you'd like to come in and find a seat. Welcome again. Good to see all of you this morning. My name is Alan Dice. I'm one of the pastors here at Newport Church. We are so glad you are here this morning. We are starting a new sermon series today called Come Alive. Uh, it's going to be exciting. We're going over the next, uh, next four Sundays. And, and the, really the basis for Come Alive is that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago has eternal power for us today, has eternal consequences for us today. And, and so God invites you to come into his presence. God invites you to wake up. God invites you to come alive to his purposes, um, you know, to perhaps stop walking around like someone who's, who's dead, just going through the motions and coming alive to what God has for you. So today's sermon time is sort of like a, like a baseball doubleheader. Um, we're going to have our usual sermon time here and now, and then we're going to have the worship team come back up uh, for one song. We're going to have the children come back in, and we're going to celebrate our, our communion time together. So it, it's going to be a uh, it's good time. We, we've already been having a, uh, an awesome time here this morning, and uh, God's, God's still working. God's still speaking to us here this morning. Uh, I've entitled this, this uh, teaching, Like No One Else, and, and I have three Three basic uh, objects that I want to use this morning. Two I brought along with me, and uh, one I just couldn't bring along with me this morning. Uh, so the three objects are donkeys, palm branches, and rocks. Okay, can you say them with me? Donkeys, palm branches, and rocks. Okay, so I want you to remember those because I'm going to be asking you what the next one is coming up soon. So donkeys, palm branches, and rocks. Obviously, I didn't bring the donkey today, okay? So uh, I do have the rock and I do have the palm branch. So today's Palm Sunday, and it's the day pointed to in the Bible as Jesus' triumphal entry into, into Jerusalem. It was a celebration. It was a parade. It was noisy. It was worship. It was out in public for the whole world to see. Let me catch up on my PowerPoint here. There we go. Matthew, this comes from Matthew 21 in your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, we're going to put it on the screen as well. Matthew 21, this is talking about Jesus and his disciples. When they came near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and Jesus did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. So we have three objects this morning. What's the first one? Donkeys. All right. So what do you think of when you think of a donkey? Uh, some of you are thinking of a, uh, of a popular animated movie that's been out uh, for the last few, few years. What is it? Shrek. Yeah, there we go. Donkeys. 
Shrek, there we go, yeah, all right. So, uh, we're not talking about Shrek this morning. We're not talking about donkey and Shrek. We're talking about uh, the actual animal. So, you think about a donkey, you think about something that is what? Stubborn. Uh, not very glamorous looking, is it? I mean, that thing doesn't look very exciting uh, to, to ride, would you think? Sort of, sort of lowly, sort of humble. Not very pretty, not very impressive, not very majestic. People of, in Jesus' time, people of power and prestige rode, what, magnificent horses or chariots to demonstrate their, their power, their strength, their majesty. Jesus demonstrated the type of king he was by riding a donkey. He wasn't there to show off his power and strength, even though, you know, he had more than anyone else put together. He wasn't there to be the king that threw out the Romans, even though that's what they were hoping for. And, and when you think about it, the Roman Empire eventually, several hundred years after that, totally collapsed, and, and Jesus' kingdom keeps growing and expanding and never ends. The donkey demonstrated that Jesus was there to serve, to be a servant. The donkey demonstrates that, that Jesus was there to to show love, not to push his weight around. The donkey demonstrates that he was there, that Jesus was there to give his life. The donkey demonstrates that Jesus was there to, to lay down his life and actually, and actually die. Donkey reminds us of Jesus' words that the greatest in Jesus' kingdom must be the greatest what? The ser- greatest servant of all. Not in it for prestige or power, not in it for fame, not in it to order people around, but the greatest in Jesus' kingdom is the greatest servant, in it to serve. Tennis players might ask, you know, how's, how's his serve? How's her serve? And, and I think you and I as Christians should be asking ourselves the same question. How's my serve? You know, how am I serving? How am I following Jesus? And how am I doing what Jesus did? How am I serving people? Success in Jesus' kingdom means I serve people. Donkey shows that uh, what, you know, no one else that day, that first Palm Sunday, wasn't Sunday, uh, Donkey shows what no one else grasped there that day, that only Jesus knew he was going there to give his life. Only he knew that. Only he knew he was going to die a horrible and, and cruel death. He'd, he'd given his disciples lots of hints and lots of straight talk saying, look, the Son of Man is going to go to Jerusalem to suffer and to die, but they wouldn't believe it. Donkey calls on us to, to give our lives for Jesus and for others. That's what, that's what the, uh, the first symbol, the, the first part means for us this morning. So we have donkey, we have what? Palm branches. So, we have a silk palm branch this morning. Matthew 21, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, 
This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So we had donkey, now we have palm branches. Did you ever notice that it's easy to follow Jesus when it's popular, when the whole crowd is following Jesus? When everyone else is doing it, it's pretty easy to follow Jesus. Jump in and join the crowd. Everyone was yelling and waving palm branches. Peter and John and all the rest of Jesus' disciples, I don't know, I wasn't there, but I could just imagine, I could picture what they were doing. And, and they were surely in the crowd that day, I think. Uh, I think they were waving palm branches. I think they were yelling themselves hoarse. So till the end of that day, they had no voices left. And, and what do you think they were saying? Uh, I, could, I could maybe imagine some things they were saying, like, yeah, take that, high priest. Yeah, in your face, Pharisees. Yeah, yeah, this is our guy. We picked a winner. Here he comes. Here he comes, ready or not. We're storming right into downtown Jerusalem. Here we go. It's sort of like a, you know, like a Super Bowl parade in downtown Philadelphia. Hmm, have, have we had one of those lately? Yeah, uh, get out the golden crown. Get a throne ready. Here he comes. This is the king we've been hoping for. We are ready. And everyone else, when everyone else is celebrating Jesus, it's easy to jump into the crowd, and it's easy to, to celebrate along and to worship Jesus when everyone else is doing it. But I'm wondering if you've found that there are times when following Jesus is pretty hard. There are times when you're with people, and, and following Jesus isn't waving palm branches and worshiping. You've been with people where, uh, you know, you realize that this, this is going to be hard to follow Jesus today with these people. Uh, it was only a few days later that Jesus was arrested. And what happened to all those people who were screaming and waving palm branches, his own 12, his own 12 closest disciples, what happened to them all? The Bible says that every one of them ran away as fast as they could go. Matthew 26 says all the disciples left him and fled fast as they could go. Not one of them could hang around to support him. It must have been painful for Jesus to see all his closest disciples and friends and followers just poof, disappear. They're gone. Life gets hard and they're gone. No more followers. Running as fast and as far as they could go. And not only that, it gets worse because during Jesus' trial, various people recognized Peter as one of Jesus' followers. You know, Peter was in the top three. You know, he was up there, right there with, with Jesus. He was in the top, top three of Jesus' followers in the inner circle. And, and I could just imagine during this trial where Jesus is being accused, he's being persecuted, they're getting a, a purple road and robe and mocking him and, and saying, yeah, king of the Jews, come on, yeah. And they put a staff in his hand and they... They beat him, and they, they you know, put the crown of thorns on him. And, and Peter was, you know, I can just, just picture Peter sneaking around, trying to stay out of sight, peeping around to see what's happening to Jesus. But he gets discovered. And the Bible says not once, but three times, Peter gets discovered. And, and to the point where people were pointing at Peter and saying, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? And, and Peter, you know, at, at the very end of it, swears up and down, left and right, I never even knew him. I never knew him. And 
Jesus had predicted that Peter would say this. And Jesus turned in the midst of that trial while he's suffering and looks straight at Peter. And Peter realizes, yeah, Jesus, Jesus knew what I was going to say. Jesus knows what I just, just said, that I denied him. You know, how quickly things change when it's popular to follow Jesus or when it's hard to follow Jesus. How quickly things change. There can be times when following Jesus is so hard you feel like you're, you're the only one. You're the only Christian for 100 miles around. I'm the only Christian in this school or this university or this workplace or this government office or wherever I am. I'm the only one around. And, you know, I think it's, it's tempting sometimes for, we, for us as Christians to, to, I don't know, go off by ourselves and just be a Christian alone somewhere. Away from the world, away from troubles, away from stress, and away from problems. I have some pictures of what I think sometimes people do when it's hard to be a Christian. The first one is the turtle. Uh, and the first temptation when it's hard to be a Christian is to withdraw, to keep my head down, to use camouflage, to keep quiet, to not let anyone know I'm there, to just, just be quiet and, and hide, okay? The first one is the turtle, to hide. The second one is the mountaintop, to escape. And, and if I could just run away and get away from all the world and all that bad stuff, maybe I could just, I could just put you that little... Uh, a little house or a little tent way up on top of the mountainside where there's no one else around. And then I'll be, I'll be secure. Then I'll be, I'll be safe. The third temptation is the, is the fortress where I can hide. If I could just build some high walls around my home and around my kids and around my church and, and hide inside, I'm going to be protected against all that bad stuff that's out there in the world. Or I think another one, is the, is the hammer, where if I feel like I'm the only one around who's, who's a Christian, you know, I'm just going to start telling them that they're wrong, and I'm just going to start beating them over the head, and I'm going to get the truth into their heads one way or another, you know. I believe that not one of these scenarios seem to be what Jesus is calling us to do in, in, a, in a culture and a society where where uh, we feel like we're the only one, where it's hard to be a Christian. And so I'm going to propose what I think Jesus was saying to us uh, when it's hard to be a follower of his, and it's this one. It's the fish swimming upstream. It's the, it's the fish that stays engaged in culture, stays engaged in your school, stays engaged in your university, stays engaged in your workplace, uh, not leaving society, not escaping, but engaging. Uh, there, there's a better way of life. To, you know, telling people, telling all those other fish, hey, you know, there's a better way of life for you than the direction you're going. You know, you're trying to find happiness in money or partying or success or a bigger house, but real happiness only comes through Jesus. And, and I believe the, the scenario that Jesus calls to the fish swimming upstream, uh, the fish says to the fish around, you're on the wrong road. Let me show you. Let me help you. Can I pray for you? Let me show you a better way to go. It, it's our vision here at Newport Church to take the church outside the walls 
of our church building. And, and we believe that um, it's, it's important not to just invite people into the, inside the walls of our church building, but also to take the church out to where people are. Because you know what? There are lots of people out there who would never, ever set foot in a church building. And so we have to take the church out to where people are, out to where the fish are. So donkey points to serving. Palm branches point to following Jesus when it's easy or hard. And what was the third one? The rocks. Got the rock. Luke, Luke chapter 19. This is also part of the Palm Sunday story. Luke 19. As he, Jesus, was drawing near, getting closer to Jerusalem, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones, the very rocks would cry out. And so Palm Sunday is really a picture of who Jesus is, was, and, and what he was all about that day. It shows his humility riding on a donkey. It shows who he was. He knew he was God the Son. And, and so as a result, he accepted praise and worship from people that only God could accept. And, and uh, you know, so uh, he was able to... Uh, be praised and, and be worshipped by people. It shows he knew where he was going and what was going to happen. He was going to Calvary. He was going to a cross. Jesus had been telling his disciples, you know, he was going to Jerusalem to be arrested, to be mistreated, and ultimately to die for the sins of all mankind. Jesus uh, also says this really strange thing. He says, if the followers didn't worship him, the rocks on the ground would cry out in worship. And maybe we don't think about it very often, but Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, Jesus' victory over, over sin and, and death didn't just give us forgiveness, didn't just give us freedom, didn't just give us right standing with God. Jesus' victory impacts all of creation. Every tree, every star, every beach, every planet, every mountain, every rock. Jesus' victory impacts all of creation. And, and we see back in the story of Adam and Eve, back in Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, Adam and Eve first disobeyed God, they first sinned, and we see in that first sin, the curse of sin covering all of creation. And even the very stones on the ground were cursed. And, and they anticipated Jesus coming and were ready to cry out in worship of him. So Jesus was like no one else before him or after him. No one else could do what Jesus did. No one else could accomplish the work that he did, which touches untold numbers of people who live before and after him. No one else could impact all of creation around the globe, across the galaxies, 
that one of Christmas song we sing says, as far as the curse of sin can be found, Jesus' power, Jesus' resurrection takes away the curse of sin. And so, what do we take away from this morning? We have donkeys, we have palm branches, we have rocks. And so, we can take away this morning following Jesus, the greatest servant of all. We can take away following Jesus through good times and, and hard times. I don't know where you are this morning. If you're in a, in a good time this morning, if you're in a hard time of life. But I encourage you and I challenge you not to be a fair weather follower of Jesus, but follow him in the good times and the bad times. Follow him when all the crowd is, is following him and it's, and it's easy. Or follow him when you're that, you're that lone fish swimming upstream against the current of society and culture. Because you know what? Uh, our schools, our government, our arts, our media in, in our world need those fish swimming upstream and, and uh, putting the, uh, the gospel of Jesus, putting the life of Jesus into every sphere of society. We follow Jesus in the good times and the hard times. I encourage you to, to swim joyfully upstream today and this week. Swim joyfully upstream against the, the current of culture. Don't try to escape from the world. Don't do all those, those things of running up on the mountaintop or, or ducking inside your turtle shell or, or all those other things. Don't try to escape, but bring the light and the joy of Jesus to uh, your part of the world, wherever that part of the world is. And, and I just encourage you, Christians, we should be the most joyful people on the face of the planet. So when we're meeting people this week, we should be spreading joy. Amen. We should be spreading hope. We should be the most hope-filled people on the face of the planet. We should be spreading hope. We should be spreading encouragement. People should see us smiling, not because we got it all together inside. Sometimes uh, we can be going through a painful situation, but because of Jesus' power inside of us, we can have joy, we can have peace, we can have hope, we can have encouragement. And then number four, step up and be a bold worshiper. Worship wholeheartedly. Uh, I believe that there are perhaps some rocks out there somewhere that, that are breathing a sigh of relief because, because we worshiped wholeheartedly, because you worshiped wholeheartedly. We saved some poor rocks from crying out because, because you didn't. I'd like to invite the worship team up this morning. Like that people stand? Yeah. Would you... Stand your feet with me this morning as we, as we worship. We're going to have the children come back, and then we're going to enter a time of uh, communion service this morning. So you are welcome to sing along with us as we do this song. This, it's, it's kind of a wordy song, so we don't want to put it in worship uh, as such, but give us a second.
thank God for the gift of His Son, Jesus. It's a time to think about all the ways we are forgiven first of all. It's a time to receive again all that God offers, His peace, His joy, His love, His acceptance. The Bible tells us how Jesus was arrested, how He was mocked, how He was beaten, how He was falsely accused he was jeered at, how a crown of thorns was pushed down hard on his head, and finally how he was executed by being nailed to a cross, one of the most horrible ways to die. Isaiah 53 in the message translation says, it was our sins that did that to him that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins, he took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong on him. Bible says on the cross Jesus took the punishment for every sin. He died literally for each one of us. And perhaps you remember reading or hearing the story that as he was being crucified Jesus prayed Father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And it struck me anew this week as I was thinking about this story that who was Jesus praying for. Yeah, I think he was praying for the soldiers who were, who were crucifying him. But I wonder if Jesus was praying for more than just the soldiers there that day. Because it wasn't just the soldiers who were crucified. It was the sin of me. It was the sin of you. And I think perhaps Jesus was praying for every person who's ever sinned. Yes, person who ever lived. That's me, that's you. You may have heard of someone who died to save the life of someone else. A soldier jumps on a grenade to save the lives of his friends. A parent runs back into a burning building to save the life of a child. But Jesus was like no one else. Sinless, he was perfect, he was without guilt. Only he could take the punishment for our for others. And so I think when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing, that we each of us could put our name in that space for them and say, Father, forgive Alan, for he doesn't know what he's doing. Father, forgive. We could each one of us fill our name into that into that sentence into that prayer forgive him forgive her father forgive each of us and i think now as we celebrate the death and the salvation that we receive through the blood of jesus we we can reaffirm again 
that we are followers of Jesus, that you believe that he, he died and that he rose again for you. And you can, this morning, ask him to come into your life and, and give you a new way of living. And perhaps if you've never done that this morning or, or you feel like you've been far away from God and maybe you're just coming back, we can pray with you and help you. We invite you to come back to God this morning. And perhaps you just want to pray along with me this morning, perhaps just quietly in your heart. God, I'm sorry for all I've done wrong against you. Thank you for sending Jesus to take the punishment for my wrongdoing. I believe in him now as my Savior. Please come into my life and fill me with your spirit. Help me to live each day for you. Amen. In our communion service, we use two symbols. Bread and the grape juice. I invite you to uh, come and, and uh, service this morning. Those who are, have the trays ready. Bread and grape juice. At the Last Supper, Jesus with his disciples, he broke bread and said, Remember this. Remember me when you eat this, my broken body for you on the cross. And he took a cup of juice, which was likely some sort of raisin wine, raisin grape juice. And he said, remember me when you drink this, my blood poured out for you on the cross. So by eating the bread, we worship and we remember Jesus' broken body for us. By drinking the juice, we remember Jesus' blood poured out for, on the, for us on the cross. And so we invite you this morning to come and, and receive these symbols of Jesus' broken body and shed blood. And as you return to your seat, I just invite you to where you're at, perhaps by yourself or, or with someone else, prayerfully, worshipfully, eat the bread and drink the juice of Jesus' suffering and death for us. I invite you to step out of your seats. Uh, there's some uh, trees at the back, some at the front.
stand your feet with me this morning? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we honor you. We thank you. We praise you this morning. We thank you, Father, for the gift of your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we can freely receive salvation that was bought and paid with the price of Jesus' broken body and shed blood on the cross for us. And so, Lord, we just stand in awe today. We're amazed at what we can receive by just putting our faith and trust in Jesus. So thank you, Lord. Lord, we're amazed today. And Lord, let us be filled with wonder today, this week, as we remember, as we ponder, as we uh, look forward to the celebration of Resurrection Sunday next Sunday. Thank you, Lord. We look forward to the, to the resurrection power of Jesus bursting forth, not only from that, from that grave, from that tomb, but into the life of each one of us. Thank you, Lord. We honor you. We praise you. We worship you this morning. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come forward for prayer. We have prayer ministers here who would love to pray with you this morning.